Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Broken Shovel Podcast, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. I am Lucas, and if things sound a little bit different, Lily is tending to an injured puppy uh, in Las Vegas. I'm assuming he burned his feet on the sidewalks as it is 107 degrees there. Today, we are talking about nuclear power. It is just me, Lucas, and my co-host, Eric. Hey, Eric. Uh, so today we're talking nuclear power. Uh, I'm just going to define nuclear power real quick, and uh, we'll go from there. So yep. um, so nuclear power is the use of nuclear reactions to produce electricity. Nuclear power can be obtained from nuclear fission, nuclear decay, and nuclear fusion reactors. Presently, the vast majority of electricity from nuclear power is produced by nuclear fission of uranium and plutonium in nuclear power plants. Um, that is the quick and easy definition. Uh, we're going to start with sort of a, a history of nuclear power uh, in our country and in the world. Uh, so take it away, Eric. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to skip over the atomic age, the nuclear bomb and that stuff, and we're going to go right into uh, – 1940, the uh, National uh, Nuclear Research Group was created, was formed, and started a research boom. Um, at the time, the uh, Navy was the most interested in research and development because they saw it as a way for propulsion for ships. Um, and it wasn't until about 57 that they really that the first test react the first reactor came online that was used for nuclear generation and then okay. after that and that was for pri that was a private one for research and then 58 the first actual commercial reactor was brought online you know where that was oh pennsylvania i can't remember where pennsylvania, in pennsylvania. okay yeah. pennsylvania though okay um yeah and then i guess in the 1960s i'm jumping in here uh, 1960s, the idea of nuclear power plant in Vermont was first proposed. Uh, and then in 1967, the Vermont Yankee nuclear power station was licensed by the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. And in 1972, Vermont Yankee began commercial operation. Um, plant was constantly the subject of protests from environmental groups and concerned citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, by 1980s, uh, they were granted a 20-year license extension by the NRC, or Nuclear Regulation Commission. Um, the plant continued through the 90s to operate without major incidents. And uh, in 2000s, I don't have the exact year, Vermont Yankee was sold to Ent. Corporation. Um, then uh, 2011, the NRC granted Vermont Yankee a 20-year license extension. And in 2012, the Vermont Public Service Commission denied Vermont Yankee a certificate, certificate of public good, effectively shutting down the plant. And in 2014, Vermont Yankee was permanently shut down, uh, leaving a void of electricity in Vermont. Uh, you were here for that, Eric? I was here. It was a, it was a big to do because, uh, Entergy tried really hard to get the federal, federal government to step in and override the, the PUC's, uh, decision, but the, uh, feds, feds are basically like, nope, we are, we, we granted it for you, but they are actually the ones that 
are the are the, your gatekeepers. And Yankee and, at the time provided about thirty five percent of energy for the state of Vermont. Yep, yep. But the protest and opposition was very, very strong. And they, I mean, they've been trying to get the plant shut down for a long time, and just they finally had the right people on the the public uh, utility commission board to finally just like get it shut down. And even after shutting down, uh, Entergy ended up, they started the shutdown. Then they sold the assets off to another company to complete the decommissioning. Oh, really? Yes. And it was, that was a whole nother big to do. Oh, it was it's been a, now that it's just a, a flat concrete slab, but to get it to that point, it was a lot of uh, back and forth. And actually, at one point, they, they did uh, auctions for materials coming out of the plant. And actually, I have um, you the, those big metal utility drawers that, like you keep like screws and stuff in. I actually yeah. got like three of those from an auction <laughs> from Vermont Yankee. <laughs> and the best part is they were filled with stuff. Oh, really? Anything yeah. uh, cool or just screws? Just just screws and some, okay. like, just pl- a lot of plumbing stuff. Oh, well, that makes sense. It was a water-cooled plant. Um, yes. So, so, yeah, I guess it was a controversial decision. Uh, supporters Very of the plant argued that it was a reliable source of clean energy and nothing bad had happened in its history since 1967. So, you know what's what's the big deal um and basically the nimbies the nimbies were strong on this one yeah okay and and what about the hippies were the hippie which side were the hippies oh, on the hippies were on the uh, nimby side <laughs> they were very much on the nimby side they those hippies hate and unfortunately like i mean i don't want to get too political but a lot of the current vermont senators are actually old hippies well bernie yeah, Bernie, and but if you look at like the uh, actual in the state house, they're all a bunch of old hippies. All right. Well, which if, has gone a different way. Stage. Yes. So. Oh, very much a different way. But that's a completely different show. So now, back to not, our gonna, yeah yeah, we're, and we're not going to talk about the fact that Vermont is now reconsidering a nuclear power plant. So uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so oh. back to our timeline of nuclear power. Yep. Um. So by. <laughs> Uh, so there was there has been opposition all throughout, but in about in the seventies is when opposition really grew for the plants, and the big concern at the time was disposal of the waste materials, which is still an ongoing point of contention. Absolutely, I mean, we threw a lot of that stuff in a bunker in the in the desert of Nevada and put a big old sign on it that says, "Don't open this; it's full of nuclear stuff." <laughs> Maybe that's what happened to Lily's dog. Uh, <laughs> Lily's sister's yep. dog, sorry. Yes. And then uh, then we have uh, the U- uh, U.S.'s one major nuclear disaster, which was Three Mile Island, which they, we had, they had a partial meltdown of the reactor, but resulted in no deaths or injuries, no major evacuations, uh, no, no major long-term health effects, which is a completely different sort of uh, conversation to have the argument over the effects of the nuclear disasters we've had and the amount of uh, radioactive isotopes in the air. If it's increasing cancer, increasing genetic mutations, 
the the verdict is very much out even from the World Health Organization. Okay. All right. That's good information. Nobody knows. Yep. Um, yeah. And then uh, we have uh, from in the U.S. at least from 79 to all the way to 2012, there were no new permits issued uh, until Obama started our the our nuclear renaissance. Yeah, a nuclear renaissance. It sounds like, I mean, our, I mean, we do have a plant being built in Georgia. We have uh, plant in Ge- Georgia. We have, so we have. We actually have had two reactors brought online in the country. In between, <laughs> uh, in '96, one was brought online in Tennessee, and then in '16, at that same facility, another reactor was brought online. So, despite no major permits being issued for new facilities the exist some of the existing facilities did bring new reactors online during that the the what they call the halt in permits being issued and it just nobody applied for them well and that's what we're seeing in georgia now if we could talk about that for a few minutes here yes the 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 uh vogdal plant in georgia uh had two reactors that came on in 1987 and 1989 uh, units one and two. Uh, Now they have been building while the budget, I want to talk about the budget because this is one of the, the, the negatives of of nuclear power. Right. And, and we need to talk about the positives of the negatives. Yes. Mm -hmm. Carbon it's, it doesn't emit carbon into our, our environment, but it, is expensive. The budget for to bring two more reactors <laughs> on when it was uh, set into process in 2012 was 12 billion. They are currently at 34 billion. With, wow! With one reactor generating power, but has not been set for commercial use. So, um, the Vogel Electric Generating Plant is a now a four-unit nuclear power plant located in Burke county uh it's owned uh by four different uh electric companies uh the georgia power oglethorpe uh municipal electric of georgia and dalton utilities it has those two units which have been functioning without incident since uh 87 and 89 two additional units three and four are currently under construction and are scheduled to begin commercial operation in 23 or 24 uh looks like from their website and their press releases 20 uh unit three is ready to go it is generating 100% power. It is connected to the power grid and is nearly set to uh, uh, go online and, and produce commercial power. Um, it is the first new nuclear units built in the United States in over 30 years. So, mm-hmm. and again, this is this is added on to an existing uh, nuclear power plant. So we're not seeing new plants and 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 to your point eric nobody's asking for them nope nope and there have been some permits issued like for for getting adding additional reactors but nothing i can't i didn't find anywhere of i didn't find much i actually did i i ran out of time in my research Um, Uh, i didn't actually find if like if there actually has been any attempts to build full a full new nuclear facility in the country and i'm sure there have been attempts but i mean one of the, the sticking points is uh, so going back to the his, history is so at the end of 2021, 
we had 55 plants operated about 90, or is it 92 reactors, which uh, is down from the peak of in 91, where we have 112 reactors. Um, but throughout the, uh, the boom, uh, up until 79, there were 253 reactors ordered and applied for through the uh, USAEC. Um, out of those, only 132 were built, with 40 having been shut down since. Wow. I'm trying to find information here on when they will actually break even. And it is going to take decades and decades. Oh, they are... one of the um, one of the plants that was going to be built out in Washington, they uh, Washington, I can't remember the exact uh, Washington, the power company, but it had Washington in the name. Uh, they end up going bankrupt on upwards of forty billion dollars because they couldn't get because they had so many delays and whatnot with building the plants out in Washington State. Right, and now we're talking about this one that's coming, likely going to come online in August or September. Yep. Um, it was supposed to come online in May or June. Um, it is just now testing, hundred percent, good to go, load fuel. Um, but it's still it's seven years late, and uh, just I mean, twelve billion was the original estimate, and now we're at thirty-four billion. I mean, yeah. where's the advantage here? This, the, you know, if we are living in a capitalist society. And and you know the company you're talking about went to went bankrupt to the tune of I'm sorry what thirty billion forty forty billion forty billion and and this is over budget by such an extreme margin uh, whatever thirty three billion uh, you know how is this benefiting the nation it's it's really not <laughs> I I want to quickly look up is so the largest solar farm. In the country, I can't. I, I'm not going to get the uh, size of it, but it cost 141 million to build. Okay, and that and it well, generates eight megawatts of power. Right. So, Vogdal, I don't have the megawatts, but they're expecting it to be able to power 500,000 homes. So, uh, it could take decades to recoup decades. their costs and turn to profit yep but that's the thing is that they are designed to operate for decades right yes 24 I mean, hours a day saying, seven days a week yep and they're saying that like even the reactors that are 60 years old they're considering adding another extension another 20-year extension to their permits or allow for them to apply for another 20-year extension on their permits because they don't they haven't seen degradation in safety or performance over a long over this t the time periods to where like it says like no we like ah my thoughts got jumbled <laughs> <laughs> we're useless to that Lily we, we covered we are. this we're in the very first episode um, okay so uh, you know and I kind of broke up your timeline here so let's let's go back to let's talk about some disasters some disasters some so we have Three Mile Island which was the was just our big one uh but that was like it was very minor it it mm -hmm. did not result in a full meltdown there was no f major fallout from it um unlike the next one which is the chernobyl uh disaster right which is famous 
Very which famous. Is famous. If anybody hasn't watched it, I highly recommend watching the uh, the what is it the documentary uh, series or, on yeah docu series docu series on HBO. It is it it tells the story of exactly what happened. Um, it's basically so the reactor failed. Uh, it blew up. Uh, it rates on the scale. So the the international watchdog, nuclear watchdog agency rates the uh, nuclear disasters on a scale of one to seven. Uh, Chernobyl was at the top at a seven. Awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. So they did they develop the rating system for Vogtel or for for Chernobyl or before that? No, the, the, it was already in place before that. <laughs> okay, they're like this is the worst. <laughs> yep, yep. Right. And uh, cleanup involved about five hundred thousand people is still ongoing, uh, mm-hmm. and has cost over sixty-eight billion dollars in American dollars to clean up for Russia so far. Hey, exactly uh, double what uh, Vogtel has cost so far. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, I I highly recommend. If anybody hasn't watched the spe- that that docu series, to watch it, it's it Gross. gives all the information about it, and it's really good. <laughs> yeah, but it's extremely graphic, so be aware of that. It is. It uh, is very graphic. They very much show what happens to people when they are exposed to extremely high levels of radiation that were being put out. Like they. So during the cleanup operation, when they had to get the debris off of the roof of one of the other reactors, uh, people could only stay out there for 30 to 90 seconds at a time, even with full radioactive gear on. Or otherwise, they would risk actually getting exposed to a level where they get sick and die. And very quickly. Very, very um, quickly. So after that, there's been there was sort of a sort of global. Uh, let's be careful about this stuff, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, they also very much found out that through out of the Russia cover up that it was actually d- the design of the reactor and the tests they were doing b- because of the design that caused the failure to occur. Okay, so it was human error um, more than more than anything. Yeah, human error and design design error. It was just a flaw. It was a very flawed design. Basically, what happened is the safety features caused the the rods when when there's no power to no power being generated, the rods get withdrawn from the from the lead. And mm-hmm. when it when it did that, it the tips uh, got exposed to the water, which caused the water to instantly vaporize, basically just create a mini mini hydrogen bomb. Okay, that explains a lot. Uh, yep. Yeah, and like you said, the fallout is ongoing. Um, ongoing. Uh, globally. There's, globally, uh, they're saying in Europe they're still finding uh, background radiation levels of like the three or four in areas around in, yeah. in uh, Ukraine and uh, Sweden. Okay, wow. Yeah, so, uh, and it, you know, if anybody hasn't caught on, I've been playing devil's advocate this whole episode because we don't yes. have a lily. Uh, but yeah, that is scary. It is very <laughs> scary, but it was also part, a huge part of it was Russia being Russia cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap um, and cutting corners on sa- on safety. Unregulated. <laughs> yep. Which goes uh, back to the, uh, the three by, I go back to three mile Island, which, 
the safety, all the safety designs worked with Three Mile Island, which prevented that from becoming a major disaster. And actually, they afterward they uh, the pro nuclear people always they tout that, hey, we had the safety safety in place and it worked. Yeah, yeah. There was but an then, uh, now we go to the next disaster where the safety features were in place and but they failed. Right. So this is Fukushima. Fukushima, which is another one that also rated a seven on the nuclear watchdogs scale. Okay. Do you have any clue why it's a a one to seven scale? I didn't get that far into it other than like a seven was just major nuclear disaster. Okay. All right. Uh, So let's talk Fukushima. Fukushima. So... An earthquake and tsunami uh, uh, occurred, and due to the earthquake, automatically the re- reactor power generation is stopped. So it's not generating power for its own equipment or the community around it to, for safety measures. But so it went to these backup diesel generators. Uh, then the uh, after the earthquake, the tsunami happened, and the tsunami was much higher than the seawalls that they built around the plant. And so the water got into the plant and basically shorted out these generators, which then caused two of the react or three of the reactors to completely melt down. Okay. So, I mean, not really human error, but sort of a failure to anticipate. Yep. Failure to anticipate. They did not expect the waves to get that high. They didn't think that the, that if the waves get got that high, that they would get to the generators and right. So and this and Japan is now very very nuclear wary now out of this. Right. This is and and uh, like it's sort, actually, of, fallen, it's sort of fallen out of the global lexicon. I mean, just like people, you know, the media, blah blah blah. We, yeah, we I have mean, still, but... there's still there's still people going in every day and doing the cleanup out there, but they say it's going to take another thirty to forty years to clean up. Uh, I mean, there was a point where Japan was actually requesting us not bring our nuclear carriers to their ports because they did not want those reactors that close. Whoa, really? So, uh, explain what a nuclear carrier is. So a nuclear carrier is a aircraft carrier that uses the nuclear fit nuclear fission reaction to generate steam for propulsion. Okay. So, but it's not like it's just going to start doing stuff because it's near nu- nuclear power or no, radiation. No. Okay. And I, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't find any uh, anything of a of a navy vessel having a core meltdown. Okay. Now. Submarines, uh, you know, we talked a bit in the beginning about, you know, propulsion. Have there been any incidents related to a nuclear submarine? Not that we know of. The only events we, the ones that we, that we've lost submarines, they think is more likely due to depressurization than a reactor failure. Okay. And we haven't lost a U.S. sub. It's been Russia and uh, what was the European nation that recently lost one? I'd have to look it up. I have to look um, it up as well. So now this sort of brings us full circle here into why on a on a podcast which is primarily about climate change and homesteading, uh, why we why are we talking about this today? You know, why why is this 
important to us uh, when we talk about climate change. Um, and, and I think we can kind of get ourselves into a pros and cons here. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, like I said earlier, it's it's carbon free electricity. Um, yep. They don't produce any direct carbon emissions, uh, which, you know, there are other there are renewable sources that are out there that are, as you pointed out earlier, also very expensive to produce. They're solar, very wind. Well, the other thing is, is that they don't that while the generation is carbon neutral, the building of the plant and using that much concrete and whatnot is very much not carbon neutral. Right. So. Okay. So, so, I mean, that's the main pro though. Am I right? Like, yeah, then- it really is. It's, it's the, the long-term clean generation on a large scale. Yeah. And it's reliable. It yep, is very reliable. Uh, low cost to run. Um, but then we run into things like, okay, accidents. Um, yep. So relatively few, relatively few, like we've had, uh, three mile islands, our worst one. Uh, we've actually had no other major accidents. Uh, we've had seven shutdowns due to, uh, maintenance slash equipment, repeated failures said like, Hey, this equipment keeps failing. We need to shut down so we can fix this, but none resulted in any actual accidents. There was one where uh, they found some corrosion on in in a reactor, but it was still they they caught it, they found it, they fixed it, so it did not result in an actual accident. So okay, and and back to okay, yes, all right, we agree on that. But what about water discharge and the mining of the uranium and plutonium that are needed? Uh, that's that is a significant environmental impact it is it is they i can't remember after so after vermont yankee they actually did a study of the fish in the river afterward and found that the decreased temperature of the water in that area i kind of wish i found the study and i would but uh it was that uh i can't remember if the fish populations increased or decreased post vermont yankee being decommissioned huh well I mean, that's easy to look up um, if you're Lily and we are still talking. Um, yes. But, okay, so environmental impact uh, through mining and water discharge. Uranium yep. isn't renewable. This is not renewable energy. No. No, we, then, we, we're, and we have some lovely uh, areas in our government that are trying to make them renewable in a way. Oh, yeah, well. So, like, Florida is um, trying to use depleted uranium in the asphalt. Uh, we yeah. use it very much for uh, shells in our ammunitions for our military. Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, but but depleted uranium has to be dealt with and processed. Yes, because uh, it is a react. It's a it's it's radioactive. Which is yet yet another nuclear. Uh, I'm sorry, environmental impact. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, but cheap to run, cheap to run, but <laughs> very expensive to build. Yes. Uh, so what other, do you see any other positives out of nuclear power? I mean, it's, it's actual, actual physical footprint is going to be much smaller than 
having to clear cut trails up to a mountaintop to and then clear off a mountaintop to put wind turbines up or to clear fields to have to use for solar farms. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that concrete slab for Yankee, that's going to be there forever. <laughs> I mean, they could, they could break that down, but it's one of those, they're like they, the company that's, that owns it is just like, yeah, it's too, it's cost ineffective for us to do anything with it. Well, it's the same reason we see gas stations just closed down, mm -hmm. uh, that it's too expensive to rehab the site to be able to use it for something else because of the environmental impact of a, uh, of a gas station. Yep. Uh, you know, your, your, your mobile with a drive through Dunkin' Donuts is devastating the environment. Yes. <laughs> and making that spot unusable by current standards. Yes. Um, okay. All right. So before we get into, you know, what's happening on the homestead and what we're doing next week here on the show, um, where do you land on nuclear power? Where do we both land on nuclear power? This is a yeah. hot button topic, uh, quote unquote. So mm -hmm. um, I, how do you feel about it, Eric? I'm, I'm pro nuclear, but with a caveat that a, it needs to be, we need better disposal. We need better. We need a better way to, to take care of this radioactive material that comes out of a decommissioned plant, plant what, what we do with the depleted plutonium and uranium. Um, the other thing is, is we need to get them to be smaller so it does not cost $60 billion <laughs> to build a nuclear power plant because unfortunately, yeah, the billionaires have that money, but the states don't. And we want, and we are very much uh, pro pro public utilities here. Yeah, if it was nationalized, it would be very different in my mind. Fair. If this was yes. nationalized, like like we talk about rail systems and energy systems and all these things, uh, you know, for safety's sake, if, if yes. nothing else, for safety's sake, um, then, yeah, I'd be on board. But as far as, as far as, you know, what I see in it, and my personal politics and my personal feelings is that it is a capitalistic dead end. Mm -hmm. We are looking, I mean, what is the chance that we're going to be bailing out, uh, you know, Vogtel in 20 years because they can't turn a profit because they ended up, you know, uh, uh, whatever, $32 billion over budget. Yep. Like it's, it's it, it just, to me, the, between the the sort of dead end of capitalism and the fallout of mining and water discharge and concrete and the carbon footprint that goes into building it, I just don't see it as a positive. I don't see it no, as encouraging. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not in favor of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't am. say I'd be. I would vote, but I would not be like on a protest line. Can we say that? Yep. Yep. And um. So I I think. I think as a power generation, until we can scale it down and do, cover the things that we've already mentioned, uh, it is not. It's really not viable in the in this in this modern world. Uh, what I do see it as being viable for is uh, an extension of what the Navy uses it for, with power generation and propulsion. And mm -hmm. actually, NASA has a commissioned 
I can't remember the company name to build a nuclear reactor uh, propulsion system for them to get a camera just to get into space or for actually getting around and in space. Okay. So that's, that's, that's interesting. And I, I would love to <laughs> learn more about that. It doesn't have much of a place on broken shovel, but um, you know, it, no, that's it, why I, I didn't dig into it too much other than seeing that the another use of nuclear power is this, is and propulsion. it's something I think is going to, when we didn't keep, in the 60s and 70s when we stopped researching it because of the protests, I think was a very detrimental thing to the space race. Right. Well, and it's a lack of, of information. It really yes. was. Um, so... I mean that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. This is uh, a potential greenish power source uh, for there's, countries. There's cheaper, there's cheaper, better, uh, shorter term solutions. Yeah, and that's the problem: is it's shorter term. Exactly, because uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, that that the eight mega megawatt solar plant cost 141 million to build. But those panels only last 10, 20 years, and then they have to be replaced. They have to be maintained. Like, the maintenance on solar farms is really high. Okay, yes. But we're talking, comparing that to $34 billion, oh, yes. and it's not even generating commercially yet, much less turning a profit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I feel, you know, I don't often yep. disagree with you, Eric, but... That yes. hundred million doesn't compare to even one billion. Uh, and if you're talking ten years, let's let's be ultra conservative and say five years. I don't, I don't see it. Other than creating a ton of jobs, you know, nuclear energy. I mean, that's that's its number one advantage. <laughs> so, yep. Anyway, I miss Lily. Uh, yeah, we need Lily. <laughs> yes, I'm having to run double duty here, thinking and thinking. I don't like it. Um, so let's talk about what's happening around here in Vermont in our backyards. Uh, Eric, how's your uh, how's your your homestead? My homestead is doing well. Uh, the 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 change in the weather has been really nice. The both the combo of sun. And the no smoke has been great because I think uh, I sent this to you uh, that I really do think that uh, the smoke was affecting how my on the nice on the quote unquote non rainy mm -hmm. days was affecting how my how well my garden was doing. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody's blaming it on on you know clouds and rain and everything, but there's there's a lot of other factors and and that smoke there's a lot of other factors and smoke is I mean that's actually one of those like after. Uh, in like disaster movies, they are apocalypse movies is that when whatever the cities burn and whatever happens is that, yeah, there's just so much smog in the air that you can't grow things because not enough mm -hmm. UV light is getting through. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a major issue. And that's why we don't have cornfields on Mars. Um, yes. But yeah, overall, my things are looking better. I got my first beans out of the uh, garden. Uh, I decided to I'm trying to dry them out, but my um. One of my cats seems to think that they're a purple worm. <laughs> so I, I, there's at least I have I found two of them out of like these six that I picked. I, I found two of them on the floor, and the other four are 
gone. <laughs> but I've got tomatoes going. Uh, Good. I might get. I might have some cucumbers in uh, here soon. I spoke to somebody at the grocery store today. who said, "There's cu- their cucumbers are doing quite well." Um, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna actually yield some stuff, huh? I am gonna yield some stuff. I did some major weeding yesterday, and then took a page out of your book and used all those weeds to make my compost tea. Awesome! And you haven't applied it. How much? How much did you make? I made uh, three five-gallon buckets. Nice. That should do it for your square footage. Oh yeah, and just, absolutely. And then. Just do it again and do it again yeah. and do it again. Yeah, we um, Meg and I worked together today uh, for a second time now with our compost tea, uh, sort of distributing it. Uh, she was including some fish emulsion for our flowers um, and deadheading them to try to get more flowers out of them. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so she was combining our burdock um, uh, compost tea with some fish emulsion, fish fertilizer, again, totally natural, blah, blah, blah. Um, so really hoping that, that that goes. And then we made another 30-gallon batch together uh, where I uh, we reused the plants from this most recent one, just shoved them right back in the water. Um, I also took a couple dozen eggshells and put them in the oven to dry them out and then put them in the mortar and pestle to like add a uh, it's probably a, a drop in the bucket, but add a little bit of calcium to the mix. And yep. uh, then Meg chopped up a bunch of burdock root that we had from other plants that we had pulled out of the ground, chopped those up to sort of add some extra juice to the whole mixture. Uh, other than that, yeah, we're doing, we're doing pretty well. Um, last night was uh, dinner out of the garden, picked beets and, um, had salads and uh, we'll be picking green beans like any day now. I've got nice. a ton of green tomatoes. Uh, flowers are starting to come in. Uh, we're starting to feel very, a lot more optimistic about the farmer's market uh, in the month of yep. August. Nice. Uh, so, which nice. Yeah, I, I, I can I heard shamelessly some, yeah. plug. Hold oh, on. Yeah, shamelessly plug. plug. I will, Meg and I will be at the Chelsea Farmer's Market every Friday for the month of August, uh, starting August 4th. Uh, So if by chance you are listening to this locally and you'd like to come by and say hi, we will have all sorts of stuff, including some of our homemade goods, which is hot sauce and uh, corn brooms. So, uh, but yes, please, uh, if you are out and about, please come by and say hi at the Chelsea Farmer's Market on the Chelsea Green. Anyway, you heard something. I heard that I haven't seen it yet, but uh, early early corn. I picked up a little bit of corn from Crossroads. Uh, it's been small, a little bit wormy, but uh, not because of the wet. Um, but uh, not too bad. Not too bad. We've been picking it nice. up seventy five cents an ear, which is a little expensive, but yeah, uh, fifty cents an ear. But I'm, I'm going to see what it is down at Hurricane Flats. Yeah, well, they got hit pretty hard. In, in they the... did, but I think it. Their, I think only their lower fields got hit. I think the greenhouse and the upper fields it uh, managed to weather it, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, and I just want to mention too. You know, while we're talking about our homes, yesterday I measured two and three quarters inches of rain. I had you point six. Point six. So <laughs> yeah. I really absolute. think that, so. This is my 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 geological tinfoil hat 
I honest to God believe that there is a uh, there is a fault line that runs under Vermont Vermont and splinters. And I believe those fault lines have an, a degree of electromagnetic fields that causes storms to just kind of go north of me. Like I, 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 I want to see the science. I will. My science is all anecdotal of, of years of watching storms. Literally, I've sat in my yard and literally watched on the hills behind me just the storms go through and just like crazy lightning and everything. And I'm like, I look straight up and I got stars. Yeah. You're the old man whittling on the porch. I don't want to. <laughs> I absolutely, Oh, I absolutely am. And I was, but when I was in Waco, Waco has the same effect okay. in Texas. Cause they well, have what's called the Barconi's fault, which is another fault line that runs through Texas that, and that I, I've honest to God watched storms like, barreling across Texas and then literally split in two, go around Waco and then merge back together on the other side of Waco. Lily's going to have a lot to say about this episode, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. <laughs> All right. So next week on Broken Shovel Homesteading for Sustainable Future, we are coming to the end of July, which means we will be getting uh, – a bevy of reports on what is being uh, commonly considered the hottest month ever. Ever uh, on the planet. Yes. Yeah, so July 2023, the reports are going to be very interesting. So we will be talking temperatures uh, and trying mm. to figure out what this all means for us at home and what this means for the world. Um, and uh, as always, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get a chance this week to talk to anybody, but everybody who listens to the show, we, we really appreciate you. Uh, we implore that you just send a link to a friend, you know, ask them to check it out. If they think, if they think fault lines are affecting the weather and Eric is uh, right uh, somehow, uh, you know, share the show. Let's check it out. Uh <laughs> Other than that, uh, Lily, uh, we miss you, and uh, hopefully you'll, it sounds like you'll be back next week to uh, to talk temperature with us. Um, Keep us online. Last... In line. Yeah, any last words, Eric? So I bet you, you didn't think you'd hear my bat poop crazy theories over on this show. No, I really didn't. I really didn't. I thought it would be over. Oh, and I should mention out now is a uh, episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Dollar Tree, uh, a show uh, that Eric and I have where we discuss comic books, comic book movies, uh, and things get a little uh, different than this show. So language warning. Um, and I guess sometimes in past episodes, I would say woke warning. We, you know, yes. we, we are progressive thinkers. We're uh, very progressive. So, <laughs> uh, but thank you everybody. And, uh, Lily, please fix this. Yes. <laughs>